You're listening to the A Scully Cast, brought to you by www.ascully.com. And here are your hosts, A Scully and Sid Talk. Okay, Sid Talk, what do you think of this season of Doctor Who? That's my question for you. Why is this? Because this was the before, the after the show discussion talking about Doctor Who. I'm just sort of up and down. I mean, I like it all, so um, I don't... I'm it, not going to criticize it's it. It's just terribly. about to end. Like, um, next week is the finale. That's why I was bringing it up, because it's all leading to something, obviously, as Doctor Who does. Um, and this year, because it's the 50th anniversary of Doctor Who, there's an extra episode, which will be out in November, that is... Uh, as far as I can tell, two hours long. And what's interesting about this episode is it's going to celebrate 50 years of Doctor Who, but within the story of Doctor Who with Matt Smith, the new Doctor. But it's actually going to be um, in cinemas uh, as well as on TV. So for the first time ever, I think. Because, yes, there has been a Doctor Who movie, but it wasn't... There has, there has been movies, but they're not cinema movies. They were TV movies... It has never spawned a bit a, a, t- a movie for the. So you weren't actually asking me what about it. You Sim- just you wanted to explain no, just, the Doctor. I, I want to explain that about this year being fifty years of Doctor. Who. It's actually the longest running sci-fi show ever on TV. Uh, beats Star Trek. Beats Space Nineteen Ninety Nine. Beats everything. So, um, what this this what do you think of this? How what do you think of it? Um, now. My favourite thing about this reboot, as they call it, of Doctor Who, Doctor Who 2005. They don't called. include me. I don't use the word reboot for things like it this. Is co- it's Doctor Who 2005, because that's when it started. Um, and it's the reimagining of Doctor Who. Um, just a modernised version of Doctor Who, really. As they all are, as they went along, because I've watched some yeah, every season. Yeah, they're very of the time, aren't they? Right, so it's not really... I mean, I grew up with it. I watched it every Saturday when I was a kid. It is a continuation of the Doctor Who story. But but this time, because it had been off the air for so long, ten years almost, it's a very, you know, very redesigned Doctor Who. Um, So, what I liked about this new Doctor Who is, first off, Russell T. Davis, who was the main guy who did Doctor Who. He was the writer and showrunner. He left at the end of season three, or was it four? And now there's this new guy, Stephen Moffat. And I'm not a big fan of Stephen Moffat's version of Doctor Who. So, what happens now with Doctor Who is it's really hit and miss for me. Like, sometimes it's a really good episode, and I've always found it's when Stephen Moffat's name's not at the beginning. Like this week, Mark Gatiss. He did a really good one this week called The Crimson Horror. Um, so often, I feel, Stephen Moffat tries a bit too hard to be cool and all that calling back shit that he does. I mean, last season he, he just went overboard for me with the uh, River Song. I'm in love with River Song, so she's going to be in all these episodes and I'm going to really, like, you know wear her into the ground so I just really don't want to see her again that much and I did like her 
when she was when she first was in it. The one episode in the library. That was the only yeah, time. That was I really fantastic. Liked. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but then 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 he gets really cheeky with her and now she's like a one-liner kind of heroine who's like totally uh, unrealistic. I don't like how she plays it. So, yeah, that's the thing I don't like about him. This season, it's been really hit and miss for me. But I really liked this week's. It kind of restored my faith. I was like, oh, this week's was really good. But it's not Stephen Moffat's uh, episode. (laughs) Uh, And next week looks really interesting. And then it's the finale. Um, But yeah, it's up and down. Because you don't care about Clara either. The new girl. No. young lady. Not yet. Maybe she'll grow on me. But it's been a whole season. But you fell in love with Rose instantly, which I always find that mysterious. But I, I did, but, and I've told you why. She had peripheral... She had a, a mother was awesome. Um, the whole... You know, I liked a boyfriend. She had a whole thing about her. Is it because you felt like at any time she could happily choose life over Doctor? She just kind of got Yeah, she was actually torn about that too, wasn't she? Like, she she would go and then she would feel like she needed to go back. And, you know, like, like she missed her mum and sometimes her mum came on the journey. It was a... And Martha had her parents and brother who were involved a few and granddad. times. And granddad for Donna. Yeah, and- there was always a tie to, the, to you know, relationships and family. Whereas this girl doesn't have any of that. Now, she may have, we just don't know. So that kind of... Do you think people are getting tired of this conversation yet? (laughs) Some people who are listening have never even watched Doctor Who. I'm sure there are a lot of people who watch Doctor Who. I know, but not maybe listening to this. Maybe five. Maybe ten. All right, so we still didn't get whatever you you thought. I said it's up and down for me. And that's it? That's as far as you go? It is, because I'm that way with Doctor Who across the board. I love it. Big picture. Love Doctor Who. I want it to go on forever and ever. I don't think it should ever end. I don't as long as you will. keep changing it. Well, you don't know that, but I don't think it should. I love it as a concept that it's just a completely open-ended. That's why the Moffat guy, I'm not a fan because he, he reigns things in too much. He doesn't explore the infinite, infinite, well, I guess we've we've been explained to us that it's not infinite, but like the possibilities of, of billions of galaxies out there. And he doesn't do that. Whereas so, other doctors, we've seen the end of the earth. We've seen the end of time. We've seen the beginning of time with other people who've written him, directed him. Now, problem... He doesn't do that. I think one of the problems is they cut his budget by about half as well. And Doctor Who is like a show where if you write like a story, I think, in the you know, you write a story on a piece of paper, it seems like a really good idea. When you actually look at it and go, we've only got this amount of money to do that story, I think it makes it really hard. And one of the best episodes I've ever seen of Doctor Who is called Gridlock. And it's like mm-hmm. they're in this traffic jam. I think the fifth element, the way the traffic is all layered. And he's like jumping between cars, like... Down, down, down. Down, down, down. And, and each... they've, the tra- traffic jam has been there for like 100 years right. or something. And each car that he lands in, there's a little story to be told of the occupants of that car. And it was really a good episode... And conceptually, that sounds like, oh, how do we do that? But the way they did it, you could tell it probably didn't cost that much. It's only a few sets. Well, it's always it's the same set almost and over and over. And a bit of CGI, very little. Yeah. But it was, you could tell that they squeezed the most out of the money they got. Now, like, now, because he's had his budget cut for Doctor Who, 
I'm thinking some of the grand ideas just get through on the floor. Like we just start- yeah, but see, that's a problem because you can have a grand idea and make it look great without a lot of money, but you could also feel deflated as a person if you've been riding this high. Doctor Who, ever, the world's in love with it now. We've gone around. We've gone to America. We've sold it to right. America. Oh, we're cutting your budget. Oh, well then, I'm not really gonna. T- try anymore i mean it feels like that sometimes this one i liked crimson horror but it was a bit claustrophobic and that's why we get episodes now that are set on a submarine because it's a set it's very contained it's cost you think a certain that amount drives of... the creative side i, of I it? think it might of this season i think nothing has been epic this season i think they've all been very contained like uh, we saw that one where the whole world was praying to that with the singing yeah yeah, epic. but lots uh, of CGI. Yeah, uh, that was the only one I can think of. Most of them have been on the smaller side. Again, they, they might be tired of this conversation. <laughs> I'm not, but I'm I think you are actually. So no, so. I'm not actually. <laughs> you and I could talk about forever, but I'm not a person who listens to this podcast, which is right, let's about move on, a movie we've got, review. We, yeah, but this was before, and it's only eight minutes. So um, it's Saturday, May the 11th. If I'm tired of it, I'll say I'm tired of it. How about that? Have you finished? No. It's Saturday, May the 11th, 2013. This is episode number 274. And the movie we're looking at this week is Cloud Atlas. Uh, This is a 2012 movie released on Blu-ray this Tuesday, coming up the 14th of May. It's rated R. Uh, It's from our friends at Warner Brothers. And the tagline for the movie on the posters is Everything is Connected, which makes a lot of sense when you see the movie. And Sid Talk's going to give you the... This is the most difficult synopsis ever for a movie if she is going to cover it in detail. I think you'll let you do this one. Uh, everything is connected. Because <laughs> you won't like what I have to say, so I'll let you do it. I wouldn't like it. No, you know, you think my synopsises are too long, so I figure this one is a good one for you to like brief it up. All right, it's, is it six stories or five? Six. six stories. Six different stories, which are not actually that different, but they're set in different time periods. This sounds like it's going to take a long time. And this ranges from the 1800s to the far-flung future. Um, And the six stories all playing out at the same time in the movie, uh, almost like Magnolia, switch, 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 but they're telling like like six stories at once. And it is a very unique film. I don't think I've seen anything like it before. Um, and I think it is... This isn't a synopsis. <laughs> I have to break it to it see, unique, see why it's difficult. Film with, yeah, it yeah. is. So um, let's move on to Cloud Atlas. Uh, so Wachowski brothers. I don't think... They're, the, they're not brothers anymore, are they? They're brother and sister. Mm-hmm. So I don't know why. They still call them brothers. Like They're not, are they? Is that what they've called their company or something? Maybe no. I just it's it probably even says it on the box. The Wachowski brothers, because that's how they were known for the Matrix, right? Yeah. But they're not. They're brother and sister, because he's actually Lana. legally a female. So, um, yeah, brother and sister team. They made the Matrix. It's cinematic history movie. I think always will be. It really changed Definitely. a lot of things and made people think. I think this movie also is that kind of movie. Um, I heard them refer to this movie as the most expensive independent movie ever made. And that is actually true. It cost $100 million. But they got the movie from private backers instead of the movie studios. 
um, to make this movie. And this movie's, um, even though it's got big stars in it and stuff like that, it's almost like experimental and very artsy, right? It's it's a blockbuster art piece. And what I said to you at the end of the film, and I think this film is beautiful, by the way, the 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 concept, the way it looks, the music, just the editing, which I have to mention later, is it's mind-blowing, the editing. I was watching some of the editing. I was like, holy shit, why did the guy who edited this not get an Oscar? Because, um, you know, when you think of editing a movie as a jigsaw puzzle, imagine what this jigsaw puzzle is like. This is a bigger jigsaw puzzle than the, your normal 100-piece puzzle. Mm, I think I think thinking about it, you might overcomplicate it. But you've got your six stories that have all been filmed in sequence, or maybe not, just like normal filmmaking. They're all separate. And then you say, this because they've got it all mapped out and they've got it all documented, and they'll just say, well, this that's and that the, and then that. So the I don't but, think but it says... He, he edited... To, to the music, mm-hmm. to the emotion, like editing one emotion in one scene to the emotion in another scene. I, I was like, oh, this is like, I've not even seen this before. There, there was things in here where Yeah, and was, like other movies where you're flipping around maybe forward and past or from story to story. It's like you get a scene where you've got, you know, every little scene has its, you know, beginning, middle, end. And if, if a scene starts out like... We're going to escape. And then by the end of it, they're about to jump off the thing. And then you cut to the other story. A lot of times they'll just cut back. And then you've started back at the first emotion again with somebody else. At yeah. a low key. That's, the, and then that's you work what I've not up. seen. But this one's like, it builds up. And then when you cut to the next scene, they're up. Yeah. And you're ready to go on and on and on. And very poignant moments. They'll cut from one thing to another, another thing, which is... Thousands of years different in time period, yet... Thousands? I didn't get that. When, when, what was, well, when, whatever it was, 600, 700. 106 years. But the very far one. Yeah, it's 106 years. After from... 1800. I'm not sure, because no, we didn't no, get that established. So. It was 106 winters after the something or other. So it's 106 years past something. Past slavery. No, I don't know what it was. It was See, just... that's why I thought it was way far ahead, because a lot had happened in between. So let's not... I'm not saying I'm factual here. However many years has passed. <laughs> right. It's like science fiction... I just thought I missed something, I'm it's saying. It's like science fiction versus um, old-time slavery uh, on a ship. So, like, it can cut from the ship to a spaceship, and... And it's not thematically. It doesn't jar you, and thematically, it's weird. The same people doing the same things, many, many, you know, and that's where it, you know, it's. I think it's. I want to watch it again. Mm-hmm, definitely. Um, not because I don't get it, because. Oh, I'll put my hand up and say some things are lost. But I on think, me. like something like Fight Club, or yeah, Fight Club. I'm thinking of. When you watch it again, you actually get a whole new perspective on it because of some things that you know I'm not saying this movie's like that but I'm saying there's a lot of detail in this movie that because you're trying to follow the plot the first time mm-hmm. you might miss and when they're showing you in the extras oh yeah there's this and there's that and you know even some graffiti on a wall yep 
And I was like, wow, I wish I had time to kind of stop and take that in because I didn't, because this moves fast, this movie. It is a three-hour-long movie, which, you know, might be... Some people would be like, wow, that would be boring. But no, because of this six stories at once and they don't linger... I said to you, they don't linger on a story for longer than a minute, it seems, sometimes. It's like... 30 seconds of a story and then straight to another story and where you might think well that must be a confusing jumble of crap it all makes sense to me for some people it will be yeah absolutely there will be people sitting there and in the first 20 minutes be going what is this shit and they're gonna hang in there they're not even gonna hang in there now it's certainly not a movie for somebody who watches movies in like I watch 10 minutes here 50 minutes there you know watch them in jumbled up just let me get the phone and come back and... who? What's going on here? No, you have to literally sit and watch this entire movie. It's that kind of movie. And if you're not willing to commit three hours to it, you're just going to watch you know, a bit on your iPhone, a bit on your... Don't do that. Because I don't think you would understand it at all, right? If you, if, you, if you watch five minutes of it today and then watch 20 minutes tomorrow, by the end of the week, you wouldn't know what the hell well, is I don't going. know. I mean, some people, if that's how they ha- are in the habit of watching it, it just seems really... But because it's not separate stories, Terrible. like you can't watch story one and then watch story two to six tomorrow, because they're all so intermingled, you've got to really be paying attention. But I love that style. Where they, I've, I like movies like this because Magnolia is my favorite movie. I like movies which take lots of stories and weave them together, which is what this does. But I've never seen it done like this because it's, like I say, it's the not lingering on a story long enough. And I said to you, I had a problem sometimes because I wanted to stay in one story. It's not a big problem, but I was like, oh no, I was really enjoying that dude. And then I'm like, oh, hold on, I'm enjoying this part too. Now, did you like all the stories? Should we mention what the stories are? Um, like, I don't know, I didn't... I didn't fully, I didn't, I missed some of the details of how they were connected... So I was wondering at some point about the Broadbent as the writer in this, the old people's home or whatever, crazy, the asylum place or whatever it was supposed to be. It was how he was connected. It was just an old person's home. What was the point of that story at all? I didn't get it. Like, how does this fit into anything else that seems like this is uh, a moral tale about slavery and this is a moral tale about more enslavement and society and this is another tale about, like you know, greed and corporatization of danger because of power and oil and nuclear power and all that. And then this is a story of a dude whose brother put him in a old people's home. But then at the end you... Well, barely, just because of a book. I I don't want to spoil it. Right, but then I was like, okay, but while I'm watching it is my is my was my problem because I'm piecing together as I go I don't want the big reveal I like it to be yeah, like but this to, movie has got an element of that just that one reveal. thing that's all yeah. was telling explaining to me because I'm not maybe I didn't catch it or I didn't realize a lot of things that they referred to in the extras I'm not going to notice like he picks up a book for like 10 less than like seconds like like that and you're supposed to then have or the title and the author to realize something else is connected to that. I maybe I'm looking. And at those that are the small the things screen. that you can go back and watch and right. But that up. was lost on me completely. So until they explained it in the extras, I was like, oh, I didn't even notice. Also, that. let me 
point out that this is based on a famous it was a award award winning book that and the book actually has an interesting um style also as in this editing in this movie kind of echoes how the book's done differently mm-hmm. the book is the six stories chop each story in half have the first so imagine like mm-hmm. it's like the first Flail half, it open. Yeah, and, and then, then you get to the middle eventually. and then you work to the end. So it's like, um, what do you call it? There is a name for that, uh, but it's unique. I mean, it's not unique. It's been done before, but it's it's not a uh, something that's used a lot. And the way, I like the way that the author of the book in the extra said, it wasn't that, it's not, not like some mad thing no, that I thought about. it took me about. 20 minutes to cut and paste. That's <laughs> yeah. how I edited the final which, story. Which is really funny. But uh, yeah, the book has That's this That's why I think you can over-talk it sometimes about how innovative it is. Because it isn't. He even said he had read a book years and years before that was the same thing. But he didn't feel the payoff for these stories. It wasn't leading to anything. He didn't get the big, like, and he wrapped up. So what did he do? 20 years later, he writes a book, the same format... And writes it the way he wants it. So it's not like, oh my god, this guy's a genius. He just happens to be really good at like... Well, I don't know, because I haven't read the book. But if the characters in the worlds are as they are described in his book, then he just has that massive amount of imagination. But then he pinpoints these really... In, not intellectual. Well, like, not even academic. Like, ethical human things... Of us as a species, he even yeah. said. And I even thought that when I was watching it. Like, whoever's ri- writing this is looking at us, like, through a microscope and our behavior. As if they're looking at us from a distance. Like a like a little, like, lab rats or something. And in and the ha- extras, he says, what an amazing species we are sometimes. And I was like, aha. And how sense. we, um, you know, a real... How we, as humans, just make the same mistakes over and over and over and over again. We don't... We do learn, but we don't. Like and the, it's like a the theme is, you know, strong beats weakness. Basically, right. you're strong, you're going to be able to smash everybody else. And you know, this also has um, elements of, you know, if you believe in it or not, afterlife and reincarnation. Reincarnation, yeah. Um, but it's not even that's not emphasized in the movie. But it sounds like it was in the book. Yeah, it does more. So. If I have no knowledge of this being a book and I didn't like to watch the extras, then that element's completely lost on me. Because I have no reference for that in you know, piecing the stories together. So that's one of those things where I said, I really love it. It's just that I can hear the conversations of these the Grakowskis and their other director and their writers and the writer having these big, long, extensive conversations about how all these characters come together and Tom Hanks plays six people and how that all Oh, we, together. we have to mention that. They... Right. And then I'm thinking, but I wasn't there for those conversations. I'm watching it from over here. You filled in all the gaps with your conversations. I'm missing a lot of that. So I don't piece... I mean, I can just... You can watch it really superficially and not even get any of it. Just be like, oh, Tom Hanks is that guy and that guy and that guy. Or you look at it from their point of view, which is completely different. And that's why I say it's. I think this is a great film for a multiple watchings. Um, mm-hmm. Soak it up. You know, maybe do take it in superficially and then see other meanings the second time. Or, or it's also a movie like The Life of Pi where you could have your own meanings to it. Because there are things in there that are not cut and dried. Um, yes, there are links. And, and you're right, there are links that are also not obvious. There are people who are not obvious 
either. Like, like they do link together, but I missed the mm-hmm. link between them until I saw totally. the, the end credits, actually. Which is what I'm saying, that the creative people on that end often... You get so familiar with a thing that when you chop out or you don't add in all of those little nuances, then the person on our end, you got nothing. You don't have that to fill it in. I haven't read the book, so obviously. All I can say about the movie, though, as a whole, like how it, like it kind of spoke to me, Mm -hmm. like some movies do, and I actually felt emotional a lot of the time. Like there was a lot of moments where I was like. We're fucked. Like, like as humans, we're just, we're just horrible. Like, and and it really emphasizes that uh, the the future story. Mm-hmm. Um, I could barely take what was happening. Sometimes it, it was like, wow, this is just so dark. Like it, I don't want the future. Future. Yeah, I don't want to give away like what is going on there, but it's a really dark, horrible thing <laughs> that's going on. Like it's, it's, but not unexpected. There was a couple of surprises for me. What? Say. I don't want to give it away. You mean the... No, in the... Um, not the future future. Oh, okay. That's what I'm saying. back one. Okay. In that one there. That's the one I'm saying. Like, is for there me... There was a hint in that, though. Broadbent yeah. gave you a hint. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know? But it was horrible. So then you're, I'm like, okay, that's going to be something somewhere in this story. And that, of course it was. Yeah, but there's some really dark, horrible, like... What humans, you know, and this slavery is touched on. Um, in, Not just touched on, it's like a huge, wonderful story. Yeah, I, yeah, so I mean, there's, it's just some of the ho- bad things that humans... See, that's one of the things. I didn't understand at all what that contract was about. I had no clue. I didn't get it. I didn't understand. I was like, did they explain this? No, you I didn't. You mean the document? Yeah, I didn't understand what that was about, what it was for. You did explain the it. The teeth guy. I didn't get any of, I mean... I didn't understand. Then in the end, I still was like, what's the big deal with that? I don't get it. What was it even about? You need to watch it again. <laughs> I definitely do. <laughs> you definitely missed something. De- I never read the book, you know? No, I mean, that what you just said wasn't... Yeah. It was explained. Briefly. But it but it was... You'd get what it was. Well, the contract wasn't explained. I mean, they had a conversation about the topic of it, but not that... that That's high. as much as you needed, really, I think. No. That topic. I didn't get it. Right, well, yeah, I think you would if you watched it a second time. And that's why I say, this is a movie that is a commitment, it's a, something you need to look at. I, I feel I could watch it again and get as much out of it as I did the first Absolutely. time. Absolutely. It's real dense. Like, let's say it's a dense, like a really thick book that is really interesting and you can't stop reading. Which it was. It's that kind of movie, isn't it? It's like this, you know... Maybe this maybe the fourth time you watch it, you still go, holy shit, look at that. I didn't even notice you know? that. Yeah, so it's uh, let's move on to the cast here. And I didn't put down their um, names because there are lots of names, right? You mean of characters? Character yeah. names. Because, uh, we didn't explain, but some of the actors in this play multiple people across different timelines. So Tom Hanks might play six people. Um, and Tom Hanks is in here. What did you think of Tom Hanks? Um... He does play six people because he's in all. No, he's not in every story. He might be like just in the background in one in the one that you might not think he's in. Oh, he was. He was the. Yeah, yeah, he was. And that's the one I was thinking yeah. of. He wasn't. Yeah, he was. That was a weird accent. <laughs> it was <laughs> not very good. <laughs> was I was that? like, oh no. 
I was like, what are you trying to go for? Is that Irish, Cockney, or American? Well, which one are you going to go for? Because you're going for all of He's them. He's trying to be a tough guy from London. It was funny, though, wasn't it? Because I was like, because I am English. But it wasn't supposed to be. No, it wasn't supposed to be. And, it, and he sounded Irish. A little bit. And then he sounded Cockney. I thought it was a bit Welsh. And then he sounded American. But imagine doing all three accents at once. That's what it sounded like. And to me, it was funny because that scene, while it was horrendous, was actually really slapsticky and funny, though. Very, yeah. Um, and it kind of fit that he had a weird accent. So it didn't mess me up too much. Yeah. Um, but what did you think? Did you think Tom Hanks gave a good performance across all of these? Um, there's lots of mumbling going on on a couple of them. I didn't understand fully what he was saying. As I mean, there the, were some where he didn't really have on that much the front to do. and end, front and back end. I didn't that that language that yeah. happens far flung future. I didn't understand most of what they were saying. I was really? trying to piece it together. Not really. I mean, understood it, but it was like mumbly or something, which I guess is the point. But he was a, let me think, the Cockney one, didn't really care for that one. It was more for effect. My favorite was the front and back end, Obviously, the old man. and he's made up. Um, there's a lot of makeup Yeah, let me movie. say about the makeup before we go on. There's some really good, and there's some really bad. There's some really bad. In this day and age, to have prosthetics on people to make them look older or different and have it look shitty sometimes. No. It amazes I, me, because there are moments when... The um, only ones that looked shitty to me were where they were trying to make somebody who was a different nationality another nationality. Mm-hmm, the Japanese young that, lady. Because that just looks weird, because a Japanese lady looks a certain way, and then when you try to make her just an, an, a white person, there's something really weird about it. Like, it, it, something in your mind just... I mean, she looked fine. It looked weird. It looked like she had a, a either a lot of makeup or rubber on her face. It, yes, exactly. The, and like the a making, cat or making you know, Smith, yeah, into supposed to be Japanese dude. It looked horrible. It looked embarrassing. I was, I was thinking like, it was as good as you could probably. I was, but do it was insulting. It. it was like, don't even bo- why even bother? Like, why can't we just not? I mean, it's a corporate world. We're talking about however many years in the future. Don't bother. And the young man too, trying to make him look. Japanese, like, I don't, it was just, it didn't look right, didn't look right to me. Let them be what they are. And then some of the old makeup looked really like we're back in the 90s again, and I was kind of embarrassed. There were moments when, what's his face, Um, Hugh Grant, is that his name? Hugh Grant? Sounds wrong, but that's who he is, right? Yeah. When he was being old, and that was older, and it was like, it was just solid on his face, and then you could see his mouth moving underneath, and I thought, don't do a close-up! Isn't anyone else looking at this daily footage and going, that looks like crap. That was very disturbing. Yeah, and I didn't really have a major problem. It was mainly... But the Tom Hanks on the front and end, front and back, the old man one, that was the best. I didn't even know who he was when he first started talking. And then it slowly dawned on me. That one looked really good. Um, second person I put down is Halle Berry. Now, I don't generally like Harry, Halle Berry, but I actually liked her in some of this. Some of it, yes. Some of this. Yeah, and that's the that's the operative point here, because <laughs> some of it I was like, no, it's Halle Berry. It's what I don't like about Halle Berry. And then some of it I really... I liked her in the future, future one. Mm. With that weird thing on her head. <laughs> She's like a... I liked her in that one, and I liked her in the 70s one. Funny, there's a, one of the stories is the 1970s, 
it didn't feel enough 1970s to me. Like, it was almost like, hmm. some of it was, some of it... I liked it because it wasn't too, it wasn't like stereotypical 70s. So no. that's why I liked it. It felt right. But I didn't, she always comes, I have this Halle Berry syndrome that she has at times. I don't know what it is, but there are certain, like... I don't know. Like, she's trying too hard sometimes. And in all of them, same thing, over and over and over. Uh, Jim Broadbent, um, and he plays a lot of people as well. Mm -hmm. I I would just say everybody plays more than one people who I'm going to mention it, more than one person. Um, Jim Broadbent's uh, section of, you know, his main section that he's in, it's almost, well, it is, it's a comedy really, right? It's like a, it's different to all the others. But I really liked it because it, it, the way that that editing occurs, there's some very deep, dark, serious shit, and then they would just mix in a little bit of, of that comedy part, and it almost like lightened the mood, and then they would go back to some deep shit. But it wasn't like jarring. I don't know how they did it. It was weird to me. My problem with his story was I just didn't get it why it was even. You part will of if it. you watch it again. You absolutely get that. No, I still don't get why that. Other than the this the this part but up until then it doesn't it doesn't fit anything to me not just because of the comedy element or anything but i just couldn't find a link ever 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 until you know later on it reveals it but i the other ones kept hinting and you got like oh 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 but with his it was like plunked in there for like you say comedy relief or something which sem- seemed inappropriate it. I liked, um, it did have a different tone to it, and I felt like I liked it when it turned up at that part. Because I really like him, and I think dealing with old people, because his <laughs> thing was dealing with, you know, and old people are people as well, right? And the uh, yes. I like the lady, who's like a young person trapped inside an old person body. You know, it's like, I liked, it was almost like a little mini heist, what they were doing, weren't it? You know, they escaped from the thing. Um... Yeah, escape and an escape, you know. Yeah, over and over and over. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you're not gonna find the, the the themes are very similar in each thing. Yeah, a vignette. As now they Hugo say. Weaving, who we saw as Agent Smith in a, in the Wachowski, The Matrix, uh, plays just about every bad guy here, right? Yeah, <laughs> and just, Hugh Grant, they both play yeah, the bad guys. He's just yeah, they're basically bad guy, and Hugo Weaving is awesome. That the the hitman. That was my favorite one of them. He didn't really do much except... He didn't, but I was scared shitless of him. Like, the way he was. He was just so, like... You know that part where he's got the gun to to the door and Halle Mm -hmm. Berry's on the other side? (laughs) That and what occurred just before that. And then the bit... There's a chase. Yeah. There's quite a lot of chases in this movie. The chase with him. No, that was my favourite part of him. And, yeah, he did a bunch of stuff. And he also did this weird um, devil-on-the-shoulder character, which was freaking the shit out of me. Really? Yeah, it was like... I just thought of him as Willy Wonka, almost. The new Willy Wonka. Yeah, but it was so freaky. Like, it was um, it was like the devil on the shoulder telling you what to do. It, I thought of it more as schizophrenia. Yeah, all Tom Hanks was actually crazy. Well, that's crazy. what devil on the shoulder is, isn't it? It's um, a voice inside you telling you some shit, right? Mm, devil on the shoulder, I guess, sounds sort of comical to me. Yeah, but it's not. To, it's a, I'm saying this is a voice in his head, but he... But it's see manifested yet. itself as this... I couldn't weird. understand him half the time either. It was you, like, you there's loads of noise over it, and 
Maybe how my hearing's going, but I couldn't understand the words he was saying sometimes. Weird, because I, I never got that. Um, well, tell I, me exactly what he said. Well, yeah, <laughs> I'm sure I can remember. He had a lot of, a lot of speech, that guy. I can sure, I sure I can remember it. Um, Jim Sturgis, um, who we have seen in... What did we see him in? Don't know, I didn't recognize him. But he plays, like, the good guy throughout yeah. everything. Yeah, like, he's, he's pretty like, much the innocent, the... the righteous, well, does a turnaround, I guess you could say, in them. Just the war. He's on a know. journey, um, literally and figuratively, in, inside also. <laughs> this journey is this... One character is, but yeah, the this other one, one is... That's the one I, I think I mainly remember him as. Uh, I mean, oh, I, I think he more is this one. See, I really liked that, the ship. Um, story because yeah. uh, it's a really interesting and it, the payoff of it is good but too. you see that's the thing because I didn't understand his role and what was going on from the whole beginning part of his story the turnaround part meant nothing to me because I'm like oh, okay well he's meeting this guy and gonna of course not be bad guy about it because I'm not I didn't know from the beginning part of his story what he was you know other than right. he had that conversation with the assholes and then we had the you know, about the, well, Aristotle's thing of, there's an, well, that's a theme in the movie. That is one theme that you can get through the whole movie. Two themes. The no, there's many themes. Strong, actually. well, there's two main themes through the whole thing. One is the strong often will, like, exploit or push down the weak just to get ahead. And then the other one was, um, what was the other one? I'll remember it. Well, the, the, there's also the theme of like um, you, what you put out there. Mm, definitely, your can snowball on. Like you know, if that you're if a you, dick, yeah. <laughs> you know, people get that, and then it can transcend you. Like once you're gone, like she said, what she say, from womb to tomb, mm-hmm. you can exist still. And I'm not talking about being reincarnated. I'm talking about what you did. And some of these people do some very important things that change. Or not important things, but they not, end up changing But end up changing, so they echo. Like, like where, I don't want to spoil it, but the statue of... Mm-hmm. You know, it all comes to a... So, yeah, it's um, it has a lot of spiritual, would you say? or It's spiritual. I also like the idea of the her having her story, right? Who? The Japanese young yeah. lady. I don't know. I don't remember her name. Um, she had a number. A tag number. Yeah, she was. Son Yi. Son Li. Something like that. Um, that her story happens, right? All these things happen around her and her, what she does. And then, like you said, if you envision it 2,000 years later, the interpretation of what had happened and the what people now think happened yeah. has turned into, like, a religion. Yep. Versus the reality of right. what really happened. So I find that, <laughs> like, these guys, whoever, you know, the, not just the Wachowskis. And that's what we do. Exactly. As humans. You distance yourself enough and you can turn anything into anything to suit your own purposes. So I like that. And talking of that lady, she's played by Duna Bay. And she's fantastic in that sci-fi. Mm-hmm. Um, it's literally a small sci-fi movie inserted in this. Um, it's not small. No, it's no, it's it actually isn't, is it? And it has a chase. They all do. <laughs> yeah, they all do, don't they? Do they all? Except for the boat one. Yeah. I yeah. Think. Yeah, that one doesn't really. Doesn't. There's a horse chase, car chase, car chase, 
bike chase flying thing <laughs> flying bike chase yeah um i like that uh, vision of the future as well with mm-hmm. the it reminded me a bit of total recall but what we just watched the weird layered highway but the way you can like mm-hmm. merge down into it and then stand uh, in it yeah <laughs> it's just like uh it's cool um so yeah she plays um that that part awesome but then she plays some other parts and that's where the makeup kind of got on my nerves because she's really hard you know it's very distinctive and japanese or chinese face and then she and it goes the other way too trying to make hugo weaving yeah look like a also, japanese that, person yeah. uh if you can do it and it looks genuine to where you're convinced, that's fine. But it's not. It's the, forcing it. Let me say, this is a thing. It's like I, some makeup I, person going, oh, why not? If I can make a guy into like this or that, why can't I make him different races? I'm not actually making this up, but this is a thing. In a James Bond movie. <laughs> yes. <laughs> before, before awesome makeup, to make Sean Connery look Japanese, they tape his eyes back. With some, t- that's it. That's the whole disguise. Oh, right? and they no, they cut his hair. Oh, cut his hair yeah. and tape his eyes. <laughs> but they tape so his horrible. eyes back in like. It does seem <laughs> insulting, no matter what you do. And is it or is it not? Are we too sensitive? Because I'm thinking, in that story, I understand the idea that we're in, you know, a future city, which is what was it called? Neo something. Yeah. Not yeah. Tokyo, but it was Neo something because I yeah. called the Matrix immediately. <laughs> right. But it's just not... I understand in certain contexts. Well, the Halle Berry being the white lady, that was totally convincing to me. That I didn't have a problem with It was a little bit all. weird for me. That's just because once you figured out who it was. Mm. But she looked fine. Now, some of the men, Hugo Weaving as a woman, completely shitty. I thought it was not done very well at all. No, but, it, but it, because it was in the funny one. It was like Nurse Ratchet, basically. Because he was in the funny one. Nobody's Nurse Ratchet. But you know what I'm saying. They were, they were, that's what they were... Because it was kind of slapsticky, that particular thing, I kind of was fine with it. Yeah, but it was bad. It did, but he looked like they a man in drag. They could have done him well. It looked like a man in drag, basically. And we have, you know... It's 2012. 2012. It's 2012. <laughs> it's 2013. And I think that we could have made Hugo Waving look more like a woman. And not actually, he didn't have to do this with his voice because not all women do this. Well, however, he did it. I was like, none of this Ugh. kind of bothered me as much. I, I, I was given this. I, I was definitely in the approach of, oh, that makeup's pretty bad. But I was because I was loving the movie. I kept swiping See, it. That's all to why because I'm loving it so much, and there's so much high quality concept going on. Then when something shitty happens. It sticks out so much. Yeah, and, it's I, like, and I definitely kind of was casting it aside. I, I do remember looking at Halle Berry as a white woman one time and going, mm-hmm. I know it's Halle Berry, and I know she's not a white woman, and I'm looking for black parts. It's it. Uh, I mean, you know, different... Like, I'm actually looking... Oh, for in, breaks in the makeup. For breaks in the makeup. So, like, I'm looking at her eyes really closely and going, well, you know, this part, you know, inside... Yep. I'm looking there going, this it just definitely looks a bit weird. It, it's not 100% done. Solid. Right. So there were parts where but I was throwing it away. Like I was trying to go, I get it. We need to know it's Halle Berry. And she's playing different parts. And this part, she's not even black. So they never went as far as doing blackface. No, which thank was, goodness. Which was a, yeah. But they did do... White face. Yeah. But white not white, like creamy. 
Yeah. So, um, who else we got? We got uh, Hugh Grant. Who was that it? makes you wonder, why did she have to be white? Because she... What time frame was that? I yeah. can't remember. Was it the 40s? Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. 30s, 40s. It okay. Wouldn't, there wouldn't have been an interracial... Well, they would, but... I wouldn't. mean, this is a fantasy movie, so, you know... So um, then we have uh, Hugh Grant, who I really liked in it. And I, I really like Hugh Grant. I'm a fan of his. I know he kind of does the same performance a lot. Like the cheeky, charming British chap. But in this one, he did not. No. <laughs> he and, was an asshole. <laughs> yeah, and the the cannibal dude. That was so far from Hugh Grant. And it, we know it's Hugh Grant. But, yeah. I mean, I was like, wow, this is... Yeah, I've not really seen Hugh Grant. I think Grant. that, what you just said, is enough to, like... A, it's a tiny bit of a spoiler, and B, it's enough of a tease for people to go, Hugh Grant is a cannibal? Yeah. <laughs> and it's more than that, really, isn't it? it, it oh, absolutely. What he actually is is really more than that. But then when he plays, like, the 70s dude, the smarmy kind of, you know, look corporate. at me, I'm awesome yeah. kind of, hey. Going for politics, yeah. you know, head of a corporation. Now, that's a that's a typical Hugh Grant role for me, that, that one in the middle there. But then the, the peripheral ones he did, and some where I didn't even know it was him, actually. Even the one with the hair down here, yeah, that, that guy, one. that horrible... So I think he did a great job, but I'm a fan of him. And, you know, I love Love Actually, and I think he's awesome in that. And I like him doing those kind of roles about a boy, and... You know, I think he's really good at it, at being... Hugh Grant? Charming. Is that really him, do you think? It's probably just what he's like, right? Some charming British... Well, he was in a car with a prostitute at some point, so I don't know if that's really him or not. How charming. He must be very charming. That's pretty charming. To, you got the I don't think he had much charm. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the idea. It's mostly for people who don't have a lot of charm. Right. Yeah, but Elizabeth Hurley... Oh, no, Ladies yeah. who say, like, you know what? You all are a bunch of uncharming freaks. He charmed Elizabeth However, Hurley somehow. if you were willing to give me money, I'll pretend like you're charming. Maybe he didn't give her money and he just used charm. Oh, paid with the charm. <laughs> I don't think so, otherwise she wouldn't have told the newspaper. No, probably not. And finally, I put down Susan Sarandon, who turns up here. Three or four times. Yeah, three or four times. She didn't have a lot to do, more uh, as opposed to other people. She was the priestess in the silent yeah, she, woman. Yeah, I actually like that one. But I don't remember her as much, if you know what I mean. I mean, she's peripheral more but no she's actually really crucial in one of them mm-hmm. uh and this is directed by as we said before lana and larry wakowski and tom twiker who is there he was their cinematographer guy on the matrix and he actually directed portions of the movie because this movie's so epic he did two of the pieces and they did four of them and I can't tell you exactly which ones. I should have looked at that up, but yeah. If you have a look, he, he did two. I'm guessing they did the Japanese one. They did do that. Yeah. Definitely. And that he might have done the ship one. I, I was thinking he might have done the 70s one too. We saw them on the set for some of them. We remember. did, yeah. We did, actually. The 70s one. He was on the set. Um, so, yeah, and they did the Matrix trilogy, and they did Speed Racer, and now they did this. Um, I think... People will say, yeah, Wachowski's whatever. There's something about them. They had Speed Racer, right? People don't like Speed Racer that that much. Again, it's like a really daring film to make. Because you know, making that movie, that this is only going to hit with some people. I know, you, you must know that. 
when you're making it. But they make it regardless, and it's this huge movie. That well, they got to make that one, because it was the next movie after The Matrix. They did. And, and somebody th- was willing to throw a shitload of money at him. Right. And now with this movie, obviously when you try and sell this to a studio, I imagine it would be quite hard to get the concept over without them seeing it. So they didn't. So they didn't, right. So I I like that about them. That they're... They don't just go along, oh, let's just make another sci-fi movie, like The Matrix. And let's, you know, get the big books. They do something like this, or like Speed Racer. Um, and remember Bound as well. That was an that was their first movie, the Wachowskis, with Gina Gershwin. Mm-hmm. Which that, is completely unrelated. It's almost like Peter Jackson's first movie. Right, but really a rest. good movie too. Like, And that was their, you know, and you can definitely see some of their style in that movie. In fact, a bit too much. It's almost... Like they were practicing with cameras. Infancy, and, yeah. yeah. And, you, and you're like, wow, they're doing like a Sam Raimi thing. There's cameras all over the place and zooming in and out. And then they refined it in for The Matrix, you know? It had a lot of clever shots, that Bound movie, if you watch it. Did Sam Raimi invent that or something? He didn't invent that. He didn't invent it, but it's... Sam Raimi kind of made it famous, you know? Mm. Went with the Evil Dead. You know, strapping cameras on people's shoes and... Sticking them up people's nose. You know, really weird camera angles. Um, so, I really like them. I, th- I think they've got something really special. And I think this is a really interesting project. I like almost everything about it. What didn't you like? Just some of the makeup. But I give it a pass because I get what they were going for. And I, I, I assume... with that, I'd rather have that than let them do like replacement heads like in Tron. You know, weird CG heads. Or Benjamin Button. Yeah, you know in Tron when they did that with the dude. It wasn't just his head. Right. It was his whole body. Yeah, but I mean, the the face when it's talking is a a completely CG. I'd I'd rather see this makeup than that. Because that's too weird for me, This the funny head. And I kind of give that a pass because it was in Tron. And yes, it was a computer. I just think you could, they could have shot it differently. Don't do zoom-in close-ups on people with heavy, heavy makeup. Um, it just... I have to say this is a gorgeous movie to watch on Blu-ray. It is um, beautiful to look at all the time. It's not murky or shadowy. It looks crystal clear. Um, it's a very colourful movie. And the differences between the... Sometimes you're mm-hmm. on a sunny beach. So next time you're in a futuristic city. It's so... It's just like... You can, like a, the guy said in one of the extras, you can't be bored. You might... Maybe you're not the kind who gets this kind of movie, but visually you couldn't be bored either. Cause I think a lot just, of people will be bored with it. Yeah, well... Thematic. I mean, you know, story-wise. It sucks to be that kind of personality. I agree. Um, so Some extras. would say it sucks to be people like us who sit here and talk and talk and talk about movies, but that's part of what makes it fun. So, extras, this has a few, but not enough, in my opinion, for a movie like this. Correct. I would really like a commentary by the writer of the novel and the Wachowski brothers and Tom Twyke. I'd like I to would see... have liked, um, you know, they showed a couple shots of them having the story written out on cards all over the floor. Yeah, that was cool. Now, what I would like to have seen is a fly on the wall of maybe that whole process, like a sped up you know, a time lapse even of them because you could tell that room became like their yeah. conference room of working out everything. And to see that process go from nothing on the floor, and we're talking about hundreds of note cards where they're trying to place every little scene and shot 
in the right, you know, which is funny because in a digital world, why not put it on a big giant screen? But they're laying on the floor and I would like to have seen coming into a brand new office or whatever it is and then writing, you know, explaining how they wrote it out. I mean, I figured that is one of, because it's so unique-ish, it's not unique to have this kind of pastiche movie, but... Like you were saying, where the bits and pieces sometimes are so small, and then you get a big one, then a little one. It'd be interesting to see how they decided. Yeah, sometimes there's a three-second cut to something, and then back to something else. Mm, I don't know In about the that. middle to the music, specifically. Oh, like you mean on that the one beat montage? Of the music. Yeah. yeah. Um, where I didn't, I didn't actually feel lost with it, Mm-mm. and I was like, "Wow, this whoever thought shows you me, what your brain is capable of." Yeah, this editing, it, yeah, the. I imagine if it was badly edited, this movie, it would you would be, ooh, this is... Or edited in a different way, where you see 10 minutes of this, 10 minutes of that. It wouldn't be as good. Partially, part of it is that editing. So these Blu-ray features, they're just focus points, basically. So it's not that maximum movie mode that the Warner Brothers discs normally do. But you can just watch these focus points full screen. There's eight of them. But they're pretty good. And you do get to see the Wachowskis... Um, sat down talking about the movie, you know. With the guy who wrote the book and their other director. And what I really loved about these features, and they're pretty good, everybody talks. Um, it's not like nobody's precious and there's no, oh, Tom Hanks wasn't speaking today. No, he's speaking quite a lot. But what I really liked, my favourite thing about the whole thing, was the guy who wrote the book and his um, interaction with the Wachowskis and them saying, no, we came out of this way from our film background. And he's like, no, I, I just wrote... And I could tell, like, the two worlds meet in the film and the mm-hmm. writer. And he's really impressed by them, and they're impressed by him. I could feel that, like, like they're like, wow, you wrote this awesome story that we can now make into a movie. And he's like, oh, my you God, made this it's awesome just movie. so gorgeous. <laughs> like, I can't even, when I'm watching it, I can't comprehend how amazing you made it look. Like, you know. But then again, that could just be for our benefit. To me, it looked very genuine. He was, like... I think he was very pleased with this. I didn't get that as much as you. I don't know what he said to make you think that. Except one time he said, I wasn't even thinking of a movie when I wrote this. True. So the fact that you can, you've made it into this and he kind of was impressed with that. Um, and he, I loved his enthusiasm. And when he, one of the quotes he said about how he loves how you can, you know, a film is in a, a rectangle. You're in a dark room watching this rectangle and you're just, Transported into Some, a different world. And you are. And then, what, what did he say? Like, well, humans are amazing. Yeah, what? what an amazing species we are. We are, like, because we. That's what I said. That I think that's. You can. I feel that in these stories. Like you said, looking at humans through these eyes, it's like we're horrible. We actually are. We. And that doesn't mean that you're off the hook just because you are living in the 21st century and you have your little iPod and you work in an office and you come home and you watch TV and you go to bed and you've never killed anyone or owned a slave or caused a war because we are horrible. Because if put to the, either given the power or pushed into a situation, chances are a lot of us would be horrible and we are. So those are the eyes that they're looking through. However, mixed in there is this like, romantic, like, oh my God, look at the potential for compassion and understanding and our ability to go from being a horrible person to learning and growing and then becoming someone who has a positive impact. You know, he's looking at, like, us as a whole. I love that because that's how I see the world. 
So that I identified with totally. So uh, yeah, bunch of extras, great Blu-ray. Um, conclusion: uh, I I urge you to watch this movie. I what I said to you at the end of this movie was you sure? I know people you know who wouldn't like this movie. I don't think. Well, what I love about this movie is um, that it was made, and these are the kind of movies when I sit down and watch a movie. It will be with me this week, this movie, if not long. It'll be with me for a lot. You know, it's one of those movies. And you'll watch it again. Yeah, and it's not... You know, there are movies where you watch it and that's it. You move on, right? There are movies that stick with you and you think about them. This is that type of movie. And I'm glad there are people like the Wachowski Brothers who will take a... I mean, it's a risky thing to make this kind of movie because you know, after watching it, that... If you don't lie about selling it, if you make it, you could make a trailer that would sell this movie to anybody, right? The chase, chasey sci-fi movie. But I watched the trailer when I got back up here, and they didn't lie in the trailer about what this movie was. They cut a trailer, you know how long the trailer is? Seven minutes. That's the official trailer for this movie. And it shows you what this movie is. It doesn't lie. It doesn't go in a world far away, and here's... They told the audience what this movie is, showed themselves... What do you mean told? What do you mean? They present the trailer. The, how the trailer was put out in theatres was um, the Wachowskis and that writer sat on that same couch mm. and they say, our movie that we've just made, Cloud Atlas, they actually say this to the, the audience in the theatre, is very complicated and they've been funny about it and you people will probably not understand it if we tell you what it's about there's no way you're going to understand it so we're going to give you a long trailer that we've put together ourselves that's seven minutes long and it's not a sizzle reel like here's all the action explosions it's not that it's very it's done in a way where you don't know really what it is you don't know what happened you know you don't know the overall story but they did it themselves to because they thought the audience was intelligent enough to or not intelligent enough. I was going to say, after introducing it, saying you're not going to... Because, you know, it. if this was handled, like, by a major studio... I mean, it was distributed by a major studio, but th- if they were handling how the image of this movie was, I think that... I think the poster would have been different. I think the trailer would have been very different. The trailer would have looked like Total Recall, I think. Don't Why? Because it's not all in the future. Yeah, but if you... If you want to sell this movie to everybody, like that. No, the, I see it as Tom Hanks and then show all six faces and Hugh Grant. Dun, 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 and no, I don't, Barry, that's dun, too dun, confusing. Dun, dun, dun. I, no, I think that's I think what you it just show sell. that chase scene from the sci-fi part. I disagree. I think they want to show it as a, like a thing, you know, like it's a spectacle to see them in all these different makeups. Yeah, that would sell. And it that's to what they do. But in this elongated way, that's not a normal trailer. Um, and it's a shame it doesn't exist on the Blu-ray. You can see it on YouTube, and they do present it. So, and that's what the theatres showed. So, um, yeah, I'm glad they're around, and I'm glad a movie like this gets made. I'm really always looking forward to seeing what they do next. It's took them five years to make this movie, so um, probably not going to see anything soon. So, you love it also? I did. Uh, thanks to Warner Brothers for the Blu-ray. Uh, go and see this movie. It's really good. It's out on Tuesday. Um, if you want to enter a contest, go to aschoolie.com. We have some Blu-rays uh, to win. Not Cloud Atlas, but some other ones. Um, 
Next week's Blu-ray is Tom Cruise in Jack Reacher, another movie based on a book. So, the second week in a row, or maybe third. Was Mama based on a book? No, based on a short film. Correct. So, movie, uh, what is this? It's a game that we play, where you say a movie, I say the year. Or you say a year and I have to name every movie that was ever made in that year. <laughs> we just eliminate that second part. Say the movie. I will try my best. I won't be guessing. Kind of guessing. But your year it is. And you, the thing about this game is it sounds very straightforward. But it can be you can really surprise yourself because you think, oh, that's definitely a 75, 1975. And then you find out it's a 1982. You're like, no way. Okay, mine for you is, and this is because this movie reminded me, um, Cloud Atlas, there's a portion in the 1970s that reminded me of the movie The China Syndrome. 1976. 1979. Oh, so close. And I forgot my year of mine. Hold on. Um, yeah, and the China, if you've not seen The China Syndrome, did it not remind you? Have you seen The China Syndrome? I don't think so. It's a movie that's really stuck with me my entire life because it was one of the very first movies we ever bought on VHS. And I watched it to death. How old were you? Um, we, when we got it on VHS. Yeah. And we came out in 79. I mean, and we sounds, the reason I never watched it, I think, I always think it sounds really grown up. and. Yeah, it was pretty grown up. Right. I'll probably, I probably I watched all kinds of shit on VHS that I wasn't supposed to, like The Exorcist. I don't mean you weren't supposed to, I just mean kind of high concept to understand no, as a kid. No, it's not. It's, I watched it so many times, I can't tell you how many times I watched it. What's it about? Um, I won't tell you because I don't want to spoil it, and people should see it. And it is on Netflix, I checked. Andromeda Syndrome, that's a really good movie too. Yeah, I mean, this isn't really... sci-fi. Oh, right. The well, China Syndrome. Andromeda Syndrome is really good. It's a... It's a quality movie. I would say it's like... You know, like a procedural kind of... Like this mi- mm-hmm. about, like... Um, I get you. What you uh, yeah, you don't understand. Yeah. Like exposing something. Yeah, yeah. Okay, mine is Blazing Saddles. 82. 1982, Yes. Really? Yes. 1970-4. Oh, really? Yeah, that's why I had to look again, because I'm like, is that right? 1974. Wrong. Both wrong this week. Way off. We we missed that one year thing, but Blazing Saddles, maybe it's a little ahead of its time. But that was very up there. I absolutely do not find it funny. The middle 70s are very much into that sort of intellectual I thought it was hilarious when I was a kid, and then I've watched it as an adult. And I have no idea why. I mean, yes, I do. I was like, oh, I was a kid. They're farting. And... But now when I watch it, it's just like, eh, it's not really that funny. But you have to remember, it was on the brink of the edge, the brink of the edge, tail end of, you know, very tumultuous things. We're heading into the... The, the racist, not racist, racist parts of the movie are really interesting, I find. Because, yes, it seems like super racist, but it's not. It's like it's actually... It's a slap in the face. The of, other side yeah. of it. Like, uh, Ali G. It's like... You know, look how ignorant you are for laughing at this. It's that kind of thing. But, and I think it's clever, but I've never been like a major Mel Brooks fan. Like, I'm not a Woody Allen fan. Mel Brooks is another one that's never... He's done a lot of stuff, and I've watched it, 
and it's never I've never come away from it going oh my god that that's just the funniest thing or I loved it you know I didn't like the producers that much I, you know and people love that don't they they swear by it so um, movie recommendations this week I am going for The Matrix obviously the first Matrix yes I like all three Matrixes because it is a story of its but I like the first one it's kind of like Star Wars for me I like A New Hope the best and The Matrix is standalone on its own even if the other two didn't exist it's a really good self-contained movie that didn't actually necessarily need sequels agreed I would say but I did like them all too and my other one and this is an amazing movie you should all see it and it's got ties to this movie because Natalie Portman actually Cloud Atlas came about because of Natalie Portman no primarily well the movie Cloud yeah, Atlas the movie. <laughs> yes um, you'll find out in the extras on the Cloud Atlas disc why. But this is V for Vendetta. And it wasn't directed by the Wachowskis, but they were involved in it. But it's a fantastic movie. It's such an awesome story. And it's kind of... Ma- it's... Do you notice what all their themes yeah, are? I do, actually. <laughs> yeah, they're very... Not necessarily like... Uprising. Re- re- like, uprising. Yeah, like, um... But finding a balance right. of, you know how to really run a world full of people while not exploiting and oppressing. And that's the key of all of their stories. It's breaking free from oppression, finding a way to lead without, like, you know, crushing everyone around you, despising greed and despising, like, the smarminess of politics and all that kind of stuff. And V for Vendetta is awesome because it's about, you know, it covers an English holiday called Bonfire Night that most parts of the world don't even know is. It's the only thing I've ever seen on the big screen that really covers or mentions Bonfire Night. It's almost like it doesn't exist apart from that movie. Well, it doesn't exist anywhere except in your country. To the rest of the world. I'm yeah, saying. exactly. Yeah. So, That's like our 4th of July. Guy Fawkes, guy Why would Fawkes. anyone else give a shit about the 4th of July? They wouldn't. Except in America. Exactly. And your movies for this week are... They are... I forgot. Okay, Wizard of Oz is one of them. And this is because when you watch these big epic movies, and then it boils down to an idea, like a simple idea almost. Not that it's simple like, duh. It's simple as in, well, yeah. Why doesn't everybody get it? Well, for Dorothy it was. All she wanted was to get away, get away, get away, with no balance of appreciating home, and then she gets comes swole around, and there's no place like (laughs) there's no place like home. (laughs) That's pretty much the ultimate spoiler right there. But big, huge adventure, and yet all the time, you know, you have it in you to make your own happiness. Basically, is the theme of that one. So I like that. That's popped in my mind. I don't remember which part of this movie made me think of Wizard of Oz, but something did along the way. I remember it popped into my head. Um, And Mad Max. Because I think Mad Max was one of the first movies I ever saw that gave me that, because it was like the 80s, and it jolted me into like this, you call it like a dystopian future. Like a really, what's going to happen when human systems break down? down? Oh, like... If we think people are assholes now, (laughs) like, wow. And then it's always stuck in my mind. If all systems break down, like in my lifetime, I want a Mad Max vehicle. I want a vehicle that I've taken metal sheeting and big pieces of this. And I want a mace hanging off the side of it so I can knock it into other vehicles. Because if it gets that bad, 
I want a Mad Max vehicle. Like, like shore it all Doomsday up with pieces also, of... Exactly. But yeah, that's yeah. from... But that's the that's concept. Just... So for some reason, that Mad Max future came into my mind, too. Like, what will happen? It You know, it's just inevitable, isn't it? That our human systems... In some countries do have a lot of chaos and destruction and stuff horrible still. And that's like a... You could magnify it and say, you know... So that's what come to my mind. I also also a movie that came to my mind. It's not on my recommendations, but I'll mention it. When I was watching this movie, was The Postman with uh, Kevin Absolutely. Costner. It came to my mind because it's really that's also high concept. Um, with a simple idea. With a simple idea about you know in that, in that case a tribute like to the mail service how important. Well, getting a communication from yeah. one place to another is when all the shit when. And when you can hold it over people, you can control people when they cannot communicate with each other. Same as Book of Eli. You can control people when you can't connect them with an idea or physically with their mail. If you break them apart, divide and conquer. There's your idea, isn't it? Yeah. So um, that came to mind, The Postman with Kevin Costner, which is also a really long film. It's like three and a half hours. And it's it polarized people. A lot of people were like, oh, garbage, garbage. Like Waterworld. But then there are a lot of people who swear by it, you know, like it's an awesome apocalyptic. Mm. What did cause the breakdown in that one? I have not seen it for a long time. Me either. And I can remember the opening scene. I don't even remember. I think it's... How about Waterworld? He's got two dystopian world movies that he's... That one I wasn't... So does Tom Hanks really let me think about it. Um, so, uh, games and Ace Scully stuff for this week. I've not been playing that much, but I have some news things. Um, if you're a PlayStation Plus member and you've not looked at your PlayStation Plus... I am not, so I'm not interested in this story. And you've not looked at your PlayStation Plus subscription recently. Um, Sleeping Dogs, which was my favourite game of last year, is actually free to play now on PlayStation Plus. So, um, you can go and download it right now. Um, another game I've been playing this week... And I've mentioned this game before in the, uh, oh, in the you know, show. It's called uh, Cook, Serve, Delicious. Uh, did you ever play it? I bought no. it. I said to you. I think so. And you just never played it. It's like a restaurant simulator. Um, and I play it a lot. And I've played it a lot from the day I bought it, which was about six months ago until this week. I pick it up probably once a week and play some of it. Um, I don't have a PlayStation or anything. It's not on PlayStation, PC. Mm. Uh, so I bought this game um, from their website. They're just an indie developer about six months ago. It was like eight ninety nine, and I just thought it was a cool game, so I bought it. And then this week I got an email from them saying, we have brought out a new version of Cook, Serve, Delicious called the Extra, Extra Crispy Edition. And it adds a load of new recipes and a new restaurant themes and all this kind of stuff. And it's free if you already bought the game. So that was cool, because I didn't expect it. I had no idea. So now I'm playing to see all the new stuff. There's like... I don't think I've ever even heard of this. I, I was playing it today, actually. You can uh, Now you can like open a sushi restaurant, and there's all kinds of different themes like that have appeared in the new version. And I did talk about it on this show when I got it, but it was months ago. Um, so yeah, Cook, Serve, Delicious. It's only available through their website, as far as I know. Um, just type "cook serve delicious" into Google, and you'll get them. Um, and it's eight ninety nine, which is bargain because it's a huge game. It's a restaurant simulator, as in you manage your menus. 
Why wouldn't I have wanted to play this? I told you about it, and you just didn't have any interest in it. No. I put it, even put it on your desktop at one point, but you never installed it. I never even knew that existed. You did. I will. I would pull up the show where I talked to you about it. I don't think I ever knew it was on my desktop then. Maybe you put it there and I never knew it. Um, you've seen me play it also. I it's like um, people walk past and then you have to serve them and then you do mm. things. You maybe pull a beer or you make a lasagna by putting all the right things in the layers. And... I'm not sure about that. I saw some other cooking game you've done in the past. It is really it a cool game though. It's by an indie developer. But the art's really good, the music's good and it's quite challenging if you have a lot of customers at once. Like you're, you're, I like those. And it's uh, keyboard driven. Or you can use mouse to click on things. But I find on the keyboard it's even better. Because you're like, you know, like if you're making, say, a burger. And it, you put the bun, you press B for bun, and then like T for tomato. And you you can hmm. to assemble the burger. Or you can click on the things. Yeah, I might click. I'd be a clicker. But I'm really good on the keyboard. Uh, and I find I can do it really quick on the keyboard. So uh, I also have been uh, finished Hitman Absolution yesterday. It's been we've had that game for a long time, but finally finished it. Um, what I would say is it's the best Hitman game yet, but there are problems with it, and the mo- main problems are the AI is completely stupid. You can there was one thing, like you know you're a Hitman, you're sneaking around, you're killing people. There was a guy. Stood. I was in a courtroom. There's a guy stood there, and there's a the person I have to kill stood next to him, and I'm like, ooh, I'm gonna have to lure the person away from him because if he sees me kill this person, I'm in trouble, right? So I thought, I, I'll just see if I can just kill the person. I walked up and killed the person. This guy did not react in any way, shape, or form, and then I just walked out of the building. It's like it never happened, and he was like a foot away from me. That's good though. Well, that's not good because that's not good AI, is it? I mean. I didn't... Only because I tried to... I mean, it's terrible. And there are many situations where you're trying to sneak into a place and you feel all badass because, like, oh, nobody's seen me. I'm creeping around. And then there's five guys in a room and you think, wow, this is cool. I'm going to be able to sneak past all these guys or take them all out and they won't even know it happened. And there are loads of times where I was stood touching them and they have no idea I'm there. Like, I'm I'm not even crouching. I'm just stood next to a guy. He's looking right at me. And the AI routine or whatever it's supposed to trigger doesn't. And he just stands there and saying things to his friend like, bit slow in here today or should we have a cigarette? And it's like, just totally breaks the game for me. Like, it's like, oh, this isn't cool. Like, I felt cool sneaking in here, but if they can't see me anyway, who gives a shit? So, there's a lot of that. But... The game's good overall, good graphics, and that's it's not always broken like that. It's just on numerous occasions I, I came across it. The ending of the game is a bit weird because it contradicts something that happened previously in the game completely. It's not like, oh, that's cool. It's like, no, that happened. Why is this happening? It's almost like they forgot. There's like an incident that happens near the beginning. That by the end they actually said, uh, nobody will remember that incident. But the first thing I said was, hold on a second. How can this be happening? So, isn't that a bad thing? <laughs> don't know, I'd have to see it. Well, imagine watching like a movie and something... I mean, I'd have to see it to see how accurate I mean, is. something really clear-cut happens at the beginning. That can't be reversed. That is reversed. Somebody dead. Yeah. 
Imagine that. And well, it's not a sci-fi movie. It's just a straight-up mm-hmm. people movie. Something like that happens that was kind of like... You mean like I, Dirty Den? <laughs> yeah, something like that almost. Right, but then it's... But there's no explanation. Ah, okay. It's just like... Huh? Right. And then it fades to black. Like, there's no explanation. So, um, it's a cool game. I'd recommend it. And it's really cheap now. You can get it for like five bucks on Steam. Uh, and finally, I got um, put into the beta of Plants vs. Zombies Adventures. On Facebook. On Facebook, which is not Plants vs. Zombies 2, which has been announced uh, as it's coming out in July. This is their Facebook version of Plants vs. Zombies. And when you think it's not the Plants vs. Zombies that you all know put onto Facebook, it's an actual brand new game. It's like a... I would describe it as Farmville crossed with Plants vs. Zombies. But See, all... that would turn me off. I would instantly not want to play it. it so is I don't way. know if that's a good sell. It is that, though. That makes me go, oh, screw that. And I'm too... a humongous Plants. I've played it. I'm on the fifth Now, I will now. tell you that I've played it for two days now. And it has never once asked me to invite a friend. But you're in the beta. Yeah, but I can see how the game works and it, there's no reason for it. Yeah, but you're still in the beta. You don't know what they're going to add or change. Well, it's coming out in, like, literally days. So I don't think they're going to change that much. I think this is, like, they're just checking it works now, right? But how it works is uh, it's not like The Sims Social, which completely got ruined by the fact that, oh, you want to build a table? Well, to build a table, invite ten friends, and then you can have a table. Well, like three friends, but Well, let's let's just say, it probably got (laughs) progressively more. We quit before it did. But even three friends. Say you haven't got three friends on your list that play The Sims... Well, then you're bond. You just don't no, get like that. I don't want to freaking wait. If I want to right. sit down and play... Now, there is waiting for in this five hours, no. um, which I want a lot of times. If I'm playing Plants vs. Zombies, I wanted to sit there and just wreck my mind with it. Like, for hours or until I'm just done with it. I don't want the game to tell me. Now, this game is... You can have a good few hours play each time you launch it. But, a few hours? Yeah. Like, the first time I played it, I played for, like, three hours before I got to a point where I had no resources left to do anything. Because you have to grow plants, and then you have a, you you keep all your plants in a bag, and then you take those plants into a monster level to fight. But then once you've used them, they depleted, and then you have to go back and grow some more plants to go into another level, right? So you do get to this point where you haven't got any plants left to fight. So you have to come back to your garden, which is similar to that Zen garden thing, which is in plants... And grow some plants to add to your inventory to go and fight some more stuff. So you do get to the point where you've got no, you got no plants and other plants are growing. And you have to wait. It might say, these plants take an hour to grow. So you have to come back an hour later because there's nothing left to do. Um, so yeah, there will be moments where you can't play. Because there won't be anything to do at all because you've nothing to fight with. But it seems to me all Facebook games are made like that because they want you to keep coming back, right? I'm saying they have to involve friends or money somehow. There isn't in this version of it. I know that. But there is money involved in it. If you don't want to wait, you can pay money. You can buy some EA books or whatever that crap is. I never buy any of that. And for what? In the game, what did that do for you? It buys you stuff, right? You can buy, you know, this garden that grows plants. Well, it has a certain amount of spaces where you can grow plants. Well, you can buy more spaces to grow plants or you can buy planters that grow plants in twice the speed this watering can that instantly grows plants that costs money and only has a certain amount of uses 
So yeah, there is ways of getting money out of you if you're impatient. But otherwise, if you played it like just, you know, once a day, checked in and just played, I think you would get a couple of hours worth of play each time you checked in. As long as you planted enough plants the day before that when you come to it the day after, you've got a big stack. But that's Plants vs. Zombies Adventures. uh, And that is out on the 15th of May for everybody. So just go on Facebook on the 15th of May and you'll all be able to play it. So, Sid Talk, what is for dinner? Because I am so hungry. I feel like I'm going to fall over. We're having some leftover pasta from last night and the left with a few bites of tofu that are left over that I cooked amazingly. Veggie burger, fries, and I was going to make some soup, but I think we're just going to stick with that. And then that is I'm that. a very hungry man, so that's... Well, I'll make you lots of fries then. All right. And you've got your lovely ketchup that I got you this week, which is... What is it? Malt vinegar ketchup. For, it's got a British thing on it and everyone. I was like, oh, I'll find that. And I just found it in our regular store. We watch a show called The Australian Celebrity Apprentice. And this week they had a challenge where <laughs> they... Uh, these biscuits. Cookies? Biscuits. Cookies, co- cookies uh, to Americans called Tim Tams. And I... They look amazing. Like chocolate cookie biscuits. So I cookies. bought some today. <laughs> Oh, we did. And what is going to happen is... I when thought they were like $12 for a little I fa- time. I found, um, I found a packet that was $6. With I thought we were also going to go to Target and see if they had them. Um, now, I got an email. They are available in the US from Target. Uh, they're exclusive to Target, and they're made by Pepperidge Farms in America. But they're not made in America. They're, they just ship Australian ones in and repackage them. Um, and Target sell them. But they only sell them during certain months. And it is October to March. Right. And I don't know why that is, but I got the email back saying my, okay. my target... I went on Target's website and couldn't find them. And the lady says we, we manufacture October to March, but all Target stores have them then. So I was going to do that. So I went to Amazon, found an Australian store that sold a packet for $6 with free shipping... The only thing wrong, bad about it is it takes a month for it to arrive. So in a month, we will have some Tim Tams, a packet, one so packet. So they can get on the ship And we are going to eat them on the show oh. te- and tell you what they like. We're not going to eat on the show because I, I refuse to chew going food to, on the microphone. Uh, you can hold it up, put your hand over your mouth, but I will eat, eat one on the show and we'll talk about them. Um, they look delicious. Well, look them up, Tim Tam. Yeah, and there's something called the Tim Tam Slam. Which I have to try because it looks delicious. You don't have to try it. Oh, it looks amazing. Um, what it is, you bite one end, you bite both ends off the Tim Tam, which is like a rectangular wafer. It's not wafer, it's cookies with cream in the middle and chocolate on the outside. You bite both ends off, you get either a cup of hot tea or a cup of hot coffee. And you put the Tim Tam in it a little bit, and then you suck the liquid through the cookie. When when the cookie has got enough liquid as the liquid hits your mouth, you put the whole cookie in your mouth and it all melts into your mouth. And you know where I saw it? Because I was like, what is this Tim Tam Slam? Because they mentioned it on Big Brother as well, on Australian Big Brother. I looked on YouTube and it was um, Jonathan Ross was doing it on his show. He had an Australian guest. And this Australian guest said to him, have you ever had Tim Tams? And he was like, I don't even know what that is. And she had some in a bag and she said, there's a cookie we have in Australia that England doesn't even know what it is and it's the best thing ever and we do this thing. So they both did it on the show, which was kind of funny. 
So that doesn't make me want to do it. Makes me want to do it because it looks so delicious. Tea. I like dipping cookies in tea. You could just dip it. Yeah, but this <laughs> it it's something about what he said. It's it's almost like a rush of flavor. So much flavor in your mouth. So um, yeah, we will uh, review them on the show, and I have ordered some. Sounds good. So Sid talk finally advice. My advice is. Okay, this will brand me and probably has my comments on Facebook amongst people who know me. And in life, they might think, oh my god, she's such a bitch. And that's fine, because I don't care. I am so tired of apologizers. And by apologizers, you know what I mean. And I don't mean this like I'm not attacking anyone. I'm not saying stop doing it because I don't want you to do it. It is a thinking thing for me. People who apologize. Oh, say, okay. sorry. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Oh, I'm sorry about that. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Oh, oh, sorry. Sorry. Now, there is no explanation. But you could look at it. If the, you say it, it's a you habit. You could look at it as being nice. No, I don't see it as being nice. No, I'm I saying see you could as, look at it. But, you, but it isn't being nice. It is putting yourself in a position of being perceived as being nice. It doesn't make you nice. It is like a, it can become a habit. I can accept that. If you don't even realize you're saying it, I get it. Because I say awesome a lot. That's awesome, or that's awesome, or do you know what I mean? You know what I mean? Do you know what I mean? And that can drive people crazy too. I have no problem with you telling me that. This is part of my problem. If you say to me, oh my god, you say, do you know what I mean a lot? I'd be like, oh god, I really do. Or that I, whatever habit thing I do, I'd be like, yeah, you're right. I do. And that's it. I'm either going to change it or I'm not. You're not crushing me. But the people who apologize a lot, if you say to them or mention it, you don't need to say sorry. Don't say sorry. Why are you sorry? What did you do to be sorry for? What? Well, I I, I, I just... Well, I, uh, It's like you've just done a Tim Tam slam on them and they've fucking dissolved right before your very <laughs> eyes. Like you've just ripped their guts out. It's like, sorry... And it's always been my perception that it's a genuine, and it is the definition, it comes from being sorrowful. Like you have sorrow in your heart and in your mind. You are mentally, I mean, you're mentally, emotionally disturbed for someone or or hurt for someone. Now, if your grocery cart comes within a fucking meter of mine and we're not even going the same direction and you look at me with puppy dog eyes and go, oh, sorry, sorry, you don't have any sorrow for anything. So later, if you do something that you're actually sorry for and you say the same thing, oh, sorry, I'm sorry, it means nothing. It is, it's, you have just, it means nothing. Yeah, it's, like, bumps, it's like me walking around. A person around. who nearly bumps into you in the supermarket is never going to say sorry in, a, in any meaningful way to you, are they? I'm not talking about me. I'm talking that means that they say it so many times. Right, but they, I, I, I assume they're just being polite. But saying sorry isn't polite. Well, it is if it's you nearly, nearly run over you or whatever. No, it isn't. Excuse me. But she didn't. That's my point. Oh, okay. It is a knee-jerk reaction to the world as if to put myself themselves in this position of being, like, vulnerable and kind of pitiful and, like, look at me, I'm so sorry, I'm really nice, so you should have a certain reaction to me. It drives me insane because it's so dis... dis what's the word? It's not genuine. Disingenuous. 
disingenuous, but why would you say disingenuous, not just just genuous? Because <laughs> <laughs> we don't say you're ingenuous. That's beside the point. But it's just one of these things that I've noticed, and I seem to be noticing it more and more. And it's not because it just bothers me. I notice people, it's like a fallback position. Now, I don't apologize very often. You know why? Because I don't feel a lot of sorrow for a lot of things. If a friend loses a parent, which I have had that experience, I am truly and deeply sorrowful for my friend. <laughs> that makes me want to cry. There are different and I will say, of sorry, probably though. No, you are either I'm sorry. I'm not to you. Why would you be sorry for like walking three feet apart from a person? How about if I about, spilled my me? coffee in your lap when you're in the restaurant? If you're truly sorry for I it, am. then yeah. say sorry, because you've just done something that's damaged me, and you feel a bit of like mental anguish no, about I'd it. No, I feel really so- if I did that to somebody I'd Right. Feel. That's it. See, that's the point. People try to use these examples. Well, then I'll never be sorry about anything. I can't be sorry about everything. Well, no. There are things that you no, do. No, that's not what I said. No, but that's like an example of well, of course no, you I'm would just feel trying. sorry. I'm just but what if you're not sorry for that? Give me some other that? situations. No, I would be sorry for that. Right, I, that's what I'm I saying. I'd be sorry if I did that to anybody. Of course. That's what I'm saying. That's a genuine Like thing. one time I was in a restaurant and I somebody dumped <laughs> A waitress dumped. And she did not apologize. No, she wasn't sorry, apparently. I think she was, but she ran away. And she, she actually ran away and never came back. Now, that was a cold beverage, so you weren't harmed in any way. But it was definitely an inconvenience. And she could have been sorry, as in, I am actually mentally, I have a bit of, like, she basically, she I am just sorry. Could. I guess she was mortified and just couldn't. She did, yeah. So that could have meant she was so sorry yeah, she that she couldn't, couldn't show her face, face ever it. again. That is genuine as well, but not this constant and in a conversation. Well, I'm sorry, but she looks terrible in that dress. Well, I'm sorry, but I do not like the way he's talking to me. Well, I'm sorry, but I am not going to clean the break room ever again. Well, I'm sorry, but her thing in the refrigerator is like, you're not sorry. You're being a bitch. I might be a bitch. I'm owning it. I'm saying, yep, right up front. I don't apologize for not caring about people's kids. I don't apologize for, like, the way I see the world. Unless I do something that is actually causes me mental distress. I can fake it. I can lie to you constantly. I can lie to you constantly with sorry, sorry, sorry. So that you think of me as such a genuinely nice person. She's so sweet. Well, no, I'm not. I can lie very easily. And I think that's what it is a lot, but people don't even realize that the, it's like a mask. That's the way I see it. The sorry mask. I should draw my sorry mask because I have it in my mind. This big elaborate thing that is in the front of people and it just says sorry all over it. And they just fling it at you constantly. And it's like desensitizes you to maybe behind it. They're just a normal jerky person like everybody else. I don't know. It's just been driving me Crazy. What was else? What else did I add to that? I think that was That's it. it. Right. The more you say it, the less it means. That's the bottom line. So I'm sorry, but I am so sick of people saying sorry. <laughs> See? All right. It sounds so, like bullshit. And I, I got to squeeze the F word in there at the yeah, end. Yeah, you did. So thanks for listening to the show. I want to remind you about our website, saysculley.com, sitsar.com. You can catch us on Twitter, Facebook, wherever you want to go. Zoom Marketplace, iTunes Music Store, or the RSS feed. If you want to listen to this podcast, email me at aschoolie.com. Uh, don't email Sid Talk, or you will be sorry. <laughs> and I'll interject this. Yes, I have mentioned this before. So before anyone emails 
and says, oh, you complained about this in the past. I understand. I'm fully aware of it. This and is how much. Not sorry. I'm not sorry. Not even a little bit. Right, but so- I think people are afraid not to be sorry. I'm not sorry that I disagree with your politics. I'm not sorry that I don't believe in your God. I'm not sorry. If I run over your toe with my car, I am very sorry for that. Well, I guess it depends on who you are. <laughs> Alright, so don't run over... Um, don't be <laughs> don't let over me that. run over your toe unless you want to test my sorriness. And um, stay classy, the Wachowskis. Um, you'll note I didn't call them brothers. The Wachowskis. That's my new name for them. Um, classy movie, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and I'm going to say, think for yourselves, people. Because if you don't do it, someone's going to do it for you.